Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Trick or treat, Rob. Oh, honey, I've been using that line for ages. Oh, my God, Jesus. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Who are you going for for Halloween? Why, one of our Patreon sponsors, of course. <laughs> okay, I, I want to be that, too. But, but how do I do that? Well, Rob? my little ghoul, head on over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And search for Behind the Curtain Broadway's Living Legends. And set a monthly donation. Even a dollar a month helps us. Your contributions help us continue doing what we are doing and bringing the legend stories to your ears. I'm thinking about going as Sergio Franchi myself. So do yourself. Maybe Tim Curry, actually. Anything can happen on Halloween. Your dog turned into a cat. Charles Strauss. We need the green screen. We need the green screen. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Broadway Curtain. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And follow us on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast Plus. You can always listen to our podcasts on Broadway World and Stitcher. For so many, she is the epitome of Broadway. As an enthralled audience member, her ability to tell a story through her fantastic use of language, music, and body is akin to no one. And her ability to do it all so brilliantly has inspired countless artists from all across the world to enter this business hoping they could be like her someday. Her Broadway credits include How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, The Education of Hyman Kaplan, Promises, Promises, Company, On the Town, A Chorus Line, for which she won the Tony Award, State Fair, Sweet Charity, to name just a few, not to mention her, uh, she's one of the most sought-after cabaret performers performing right now. To tell us what it was like to work with such legends as Frank Lesser, Rudy Valley, George Abbott, Michael Bennett, Bob Fosse, <gasps> Stephen Sondheim, Ron Field, Marilyn Cooper, David Merrick, and so many more, here is the one singular sensation herself, Miss Turkey Lurkey Time, Tony Award winner, Donna McKechnie. Oh my God, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Welcome. All that work. It's <laughs> <laughs> incredible. All those I don't know people, how we're gonna, oh my God. How are we going to cover a, all of this? Um, I am such a lucky girl just oh. hearing those names. Well, we, we are lucky to have you quite today. A well, thank so we, you. We, we, my uh, pleasure. Yes. So when did you first fall in love with dance? Um, I think when I first heard classical music. Mm. I think I heard any music and I would get up. That story um, found its way into a chorus line uh, through another character mm. when, in the workshop. Mm. Uh, and um, of the character of Maggie. And mm. I, I would, you know, dance around the living room when I would hear music, and my mother sent me then, saw this, and sent me to ballet, and it just changed my life. Yeah. Those We're, baby classes, and then 
the, the love of music and, and especially the classical music yeah. really touched me in a deep way, and, yeah. and uh, it was great. And where did you grow up? In outside of Detroit, Michigan, outside Royal of Detroit. Oak, Michigan. Okay, all those little suburbs. Yeah, yeah. And what did mom and dad do? Um, well, mom was a '50s woman, housewife mm-hmm. and mother, mm-hmm. and uh, my father was in the tool and dye industry, which is you know there wasn't too many theatrical people or you know yeah. people from in in the arts in our in our family. Yeah. You know, the back the backdrop was that Detroit. Industry. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Yeah. And then were you performing in community theater or children's theater? No, nothing like that. I, I found a little, well, I was lucky to, uh, because there, there weren't a lot of dance schools mm-hmm. at that time. Mm. And, you know, nothing like a performing arts high school. Mm. But I found a little dance school, my mother did, and um, two dance teachers that I stayed with as I was growing up. One in Dearborn, Pamela Dunworth, who is okay. still living, a living oh legend, is a master teacher. That's amazing. And Rosemary Floyd, who still is living. Oh, my uh, oh God bless. Retired, wow. but she's a world-class teacher. She's, wow. you know, uh, everyone knows her. Um, and so I had good background, uh, and, good dance training. Yeah. And so, ballet was, your, was the firm, yeah, the yeah, first yeah. Yeah. study. So when I came to New York, then I continued this, you know, I had to get a job, so I had to work. Mm. So I, I was introduced then. Um, to, you know, Broadway dance, jazz. And, and you yeah. came to New York Martha, at what age did you come to 15, New York? 15, 15, yeah. How? I know. It's, I, I mean, it's I'm like a caution. just thinking about it. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. It's a cautionary tale, really. It's not something I, I when I'm able to do classes, when I do concerts, mm-hmm. um, I kind of suggest that things are a little different now. You don't yeah. have to run away from home at 15 to join a dance company. You can... They're performing arts, excuse me, uh, high schools, and um, mm-hmm. and their programs in college. You know, it's like a dancer's life is short, so it's not that was never an option for me. So you yeah. knew that there was an urgency that you needed to. I felt that there was that and there was elements to that story though that are more psychological, uh-huh. and so it was. I had an opportunity in my teenage angst. Uh, I got this uh, an invitation to join a, a little dance troupe touring the South before civil rights. And um, I thought it was my big chance and my only chance, my big break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah of course. Of and course. I asked my parents if I could go to re- New York to rehearse and do this tour, you know, in a U-Haul at truck, and they said no. <laughs> and then I asked them so again, you, and they said no, and so I ran away. You and really did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. But I, I, I don't want to pass that on or glamorize No, that. no, no, no. But that's part no. of your history. But that's I say, you know, this, this is, if I had, you know... But anyway, I thought that that was it. And in some ways, I can say that it was a, a good thing. I mean, it, it, it was, it was, I was on my own, and, and it kind of fueled my passion to succeed, to show my parents, because I felt really bad about they were so upset. And did you go yeah. on this tour in the South before yeah. the civil rights? Oh, oh, my God. What was that what, like? What was that? It yeah. was... Uh, Really, uh, an education. I mean, I was so naive about things. And in the South at that time, um, 1959, I remember trying to get to my first engagement, and they used to call them Negro Colleges. Mm -hmm. And we had a series of one-night performances with uh, about six, a troupe of six or seven people. Mm -hmm. There was one male singer, and I represented the modern, uh, modern dance and... And we had a ballerina and a, you know, so we had a different uh, styles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we traveled in this station wagon and, and 
but before our first engagement, I left the hotel with my cleaning and a little plastic thing and tried to hail a cab to get to this college, and I didn't realize that on the side of the cab it would say, for white only, for colored only. Oh, my goodness. And I didn't get that, you yeah. know, and so finally I almost jumped in front of a taxi, um, and he, this driver, this black driver, I told him where I was going, and I was crying. <laughs> I got to go to my yeah. job. And he said, well, get in, but you have to lie down on the, on the floor. Oh, my God. So I did, and holding my little plastic, con- you know. Um, and it just hit me, you know, uh, this, is, this, this is scary here. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And uh, I was kind of putting it together. Um, and when I to- told George Wolf when I was going to put this in the show, mm-hmm. um, he said, oh, he w-, I said, you know, he was afraid I would get shot or something. Yeah. He said, no, he wasn't <laughs> afraid you were going to get shot. He was afraid he was going to exactly, get shot. Yeah. So that, when I got to this place and I got there on time, and then our audience was so, uh, so you know, wonderful yeah. to have us there performing and bringing our, you know, our, yeah. our work. Um, so that was the first night, and that, that was an eye-opener. And, yeah. uh, wow. What so, an adventure. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. talk and about education through, <laughs> like, experience. Well, experience, yeah. 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 And when the, when the tour was finished, did you, you went right back to New York City? I went to New York and was able to... I lived at the YWCA. Okay. Which, you know... You was could just, do. I yeah. didn't yeah. know that was a thing. Yeah. And on 8th Avenue, it's no longer there. It's, mm-hmm. it's a condominiums now or something. Of course, yeah. Um, and uh, I was able to get a job at the Corda Ballet at Radio City. Um, that's when they had... When a lot of the ballet dancers would go to the Corda Ballet. They don't have it any longer, of mm-hmm. course, but... And it would be, you know, you do these five shows a day, and uh, they had a ballet corps and the Rockettes. And the audition, and I was auditioning for ballet theater at the same time. Uh, ABT. Yeah. Yeah. And Lucia Chase was, you know, we did a series of five classes, and each day you'd go in, there would be less, fewer dancers. Mm -hmm. And the last day was the pas de deux with the the male uh, Mm -hmm. dancer. And while that was going on, I was auditioning for the Radio City because I had to get a job. Yeah. And, um, and I wasn't really qualified to do anything else. I went to, you know, the yeah. Woolworths or something. Yeah. Or <laughs> and there was some store, dime, five and dime store. And I filled out, and I had no education, so I couldn't right. say, you know, I was so embarrassed. Um, but then the audition for Radio City, I've talked about this before, um, it was so difficult. It was harder than ABT's audition really? in some ways. Okay. Yeah, 32 fuites on the right, 32 fuites on the left. <laughs> and in that football field of a, of a studio, you do releve, first arabesque across, you know. Um, so I got it. Uh, and that was good until I realized that we were, weren't really going to dance in the Easter show. We were going to just kind of pose. And, oh. So I was a, you know, a crazy teenager. Right. I wanted of to course. dance. Yes. And the ABT thing was um, was a, uh, the first time, well, Lucia Chase came up to me after the week um, and said, look, we, we don't know you. You're, you know, you're young. We're going to Russia. So why don't you stay with the school uh, for about a year, and then we'll mm-hmm. take you into the company? Mm-hmm. Well, I took this um, as such a rejection. Yeah, sure. And I just 
you know, left. Oh, my goodness. And it was really, yeah, it was a very distorted perception. I just didn't have well, the wherewithal to... Well, that comes with time. Yeah, that comes were, with time. Were, were your goals at this time, with the, when you were this young, uh, to be in the core of a ballet? I mean, was that was well, to be a no, serious dancer? I wanted dancer, to be a or? dancer, yeah, serious dancer. But was like Broadway an option yet? No, I wasn't. I was, you know, I was. I watched the movies, those MGM musicals, mm-hmm. and I loved all those dancers, but I wanted to be a ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. But I loved all kinds of dancing. But more than anything, I wanted, I needed a job. Mm-hmm. And that was, and then I got, it was a, yeah, Yeah. I did something and then a West Side Story and I did a a tour with Lenny Dale of West Side Story and John Minio, who was eventually, was my dance partner there. Um, So that, and that, I came back from that and that started, you know, other things. Yeah. Okay. But it seems like. Right, right, actually, the, the industrial came after that and then How to Succeed. What was the industrial? Do you remember? The industrial? It was a uh, Oldsmobile okay. oh. in the day when maybe you've had guests oh, that we, we love talked the about the era, the era about industrials because they spent millions of dollars on these. And this was Fuhr and Martin uh, oh. produced this. I mean, like Tom yeah. Notch, Broadway producer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they, they, it was spectacular. Uh, and they had, you know, first rate people on it and designers and everything. And um, Cy Fuhr, when I auditioned for it, and I got it, I did the dance from Carousel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he, pulled, he took me off the stage and brought me to the back of the theater, the Lundfontein, and we sat on the stairs, and he said, I'm doing a Broadway show soon, um, and we would like you to be in it. Would you like to do that? And I went, sure, yeah. Because I was about, i got to get a job. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, you, and I you thought, this is how you get a Broadway show. <laughs> you just, I, found out, I found out soon after, it doesn't happen that way. You, know? <laughs> you don't get a producer, a nice producer, sitting down and saying, would you like to, you know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Though. Did you know you could sing? Oh, I couldn't sing. <laughs> I couldn't sing. No, no, no. No, I had to learn. I mean, how to succeed became my university. Um, okay. And I, I was mm. so new to everything. I mean, I started after West Side Story to be able to recreate jo- Jerome Robbins' choreography was really helped me transition into a whole way of looking at musical theater. Mm. Um, that show in itself. West Side Story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Um, I, I felt that the... the the, that level of our artistic work um, could touch a very deep place, you know, in people. Yes. And, uh, and besides, it was just so fantastic. Right. I mean, his choreography. Um, so when I got to the rehearsals of How to Succeed, I was there in the room with Frank Lesser. And, you know, this is when the guys would come, to, you know, Frank and, and, and Cy and Ernie would come. Suits and everything. They'd have three-piece suits yeah. and ties <laughs> and, you know, cufflinks and things. Oh. And by the end of the afternoon, because there was no air conditioning, everything would, you know, eyes would be off, (laughs) coats would be off. Um, And I just, I just loved it. I I was very lucky in that, who knew it was going to be a Pulitzer Prize winning, long, you know, hit long running, because I I thought, well, um, of all the silly things I've done, the one really clever thing was to think about... Um, the longevity, you know, yeah. of, of and I went. I want to do this, and I think I can do it if I learn how to sing and act. 
And so all of my $166 a week went to, my rent was $75 a month, uh-huh. went to voice lessons and acting classes, and dance class was like $1.50. Yeah. So, While you were in How to Succeed. Yeah, you so were, I, I were... was a professional student. God for and, you. Uh, yeah, well, you're, you know, you can do eight a week then and do everything else. Yes, yeah. <laughs> when you're, when really you're that young, right. Yeah. Did, I mean, that's when you do it. Did you find a mentor within this company who sort of guided you well, along? Well, Gwen. Gwen. Gwen Verdon, yeah. who's oh, our dance Gwen. captain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> well, I mean, she wasn't really. She was a great star, but yeah. she was... Between jobs, I think, right. um, with Fosse. So she was around and she was he, there. To yeah, because she loved to do that, you know, yeah. with all the, of her years with Jack Cole, yeah. you know, in the films. Love Jack Cole. Oh, yeah. We loved Jack And she Jack loved, Cole. she didn't want to choreograph. And Cheetah, I think, felt the same way, but she wa- she loved the work, so she, she loved to assist. Mm-hmm. And Fosse came in after Hugh Lambert was kind of set aside mm-hmm. after he got stuck. And uh, which w- was terrible for the dancers because we loved him. He was like our because he mm-hmm. hired us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had to reprove ourselves to um, Fosse and, and Gwen in a way. Um, but because they had done no pre-production, they were she she was very cute and and so warm and friendly. And she said we would be up all night dance jumping around on the bed for the next day's you know work because. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you didn't keep the those, you know, yes, yeah. the work moving. Yeah. Um, but Fosse did something really great with Hugh. He they, he wouldn't let them fight. You've probably heard this story before. Tell us, no. They us. wouldn't let uh, the producers fire him. We were working on Paris Original for like three days, and he couldn't. He was stuck. Mm-hmm. And you know, I didn't think we didn't think anything bad. Right. You know, yeah. we just well, he's still figure it out. Uh, but they got rid of him and Fosse, and they brought Fosse in, and he said, "I want, I don't want you to fire him. Keep his name for the work he's done, and mm. I will finish it." Classic. Mm. So he stayed, you know, yeah, his yeah. one number, right, the, yeah. big, the big pirate number, which was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So those are, that's part of your learning experience too. You know, kind of growing up with mm-hmm. that and seeing. You know the the humanity in people, mm-hmm. and also the 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 cold. You know the the hard, yes. the hard things that yeah. go on. Yeah. Were you familiar with Fosse's style of movement at this point? I mean, no, yeah. So that no, was it wasn't like that then. No, yeah. It, he evolved, um, but it, what it was like was very much like he, you know. Um, in other words, he didn't have. Those signature the, yes, steps. The character doing it now, but they was, can't yes. see me. <laughs> She's doing a faucet. They can feel you. But, the, but he had enough of the same uh, style because he he really that jazz. Yeah, well, he his energy would go more down. Mm-hmm. It's like we we were doing the coffee break number, and we would be in those angles, and we'd do hit very specific things. I, I remember rehearsing our fingers. Like going, you know, in our eyeballs, and we had it in unison, and it was like fantastic. Yeah. I don't think it, you know, uh, I don't think it stayed in it. But, <laughs> but he did all this very isolated um, work, and the energy was more up and up and down. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But in yeah. the in the floor, and uh, and wonderful, great humor, mm-hmm. and. All acting based, all mm-hmm. character based, and even the you know he he I've said this before in, at different times, but I loved it was my introduction to having a choreographer, a, 
um, kind of introduce you to a young dancer to thinking about the character, mm-hmm. even though the character doesn't have a name in the program. Yeah. You have, you're coming from someplace, right. um, you have relationships in the office, and write a little scenario, write a little bio, and, you know, and right. Gwen would, all, you know, with straight stagecraft, she was always there to, she's the first person who said, when you come on stage, even if you're coming out in a number, you're coming from somewhere, and you, when you exit, you're going somewhere, and right. really know where you're coming from and where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good thing in it life, is. isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've learned that as an actor. I, it's, it yeah. is like that. Yeah, you that go, oh, I don't a... just come on and then yeah. Yeah. get ready. Oh, I just <laughs> exist. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get ready yeah. before I come yeah, on. exactly. <laughs> um, when you were beginning to take your acting classes, who were you taking from in the city? Oh, gosh, everybody. Um, <clears throat> I went to Wynn Hanman, mm-hmm. who I oh I loved, you know, and he said I was too young, and it really hurt my feelings. Because you were still in your teens, yeah. correct? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then I went to, I'm just trying to think, um, Frank Asaro, mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, where else? Oh, Uta Hagen was oh. my, uh, yeah, I went to HB. Yep. But they was a, such a noble place. I yeah. mean, I'm sure you know about it. I mean, oh, it's yeah. still going, and... And then when I did uh, Charles Nelson Riley, who was teaching a musical theater class, he was in the show with me. You know, yes, I was in the show with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, he was my first teach, musical theater teacher mm. at HB. What are some of the lessons you either took from his class or Uta Hagen's class that you still implement today? Oh, well, Uta, she taught... The, 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 you know, you would go into class with Uta. First of all, I have to say one thing before... Oh, they were very noble in that you you know they they made it very um, inexpensive for young artists. Mm-hmm. And she at that time, she didn't want you to languish in class for year after year after year. She wanted you you had to be you couldn't stay longer than two years. She said oh, anything oh, yeah. that you're going to learn in this class, you're going to learn in two years, and then you have to go out and learn from experience. And I'd already been working, so I, I, I kind of knew what she, what, the, what she was saying was kind yeah. of um, wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember she was the first. Well, her exercises were so great about you know being on a phone and just certain basic things where you look, where where you are, the place. If you're doing an audition, mm-hmm. you know you have and you're doing a scene, you have, um, when you think of it on the, I mean, you, that you can take that phone exercise and, and expand it, but, yeah. but you're on the phone and where do you look? Where do your eyes rest? What do you see? Are you thinking of what you're looking? Are you mm-hmm. on, what is your, you know, the, your thought process as you're talking? What are you connect? I mean, it was just a, a wonderful thing. And also she said, all that gook coming out of your eyes. When young actors, actresses especially, you know, to use yeah. that, you know, yes, sure. old-fashioned sure. word, yeah. <laughs> I still do it. Um, you know, they get emotional, and you yes. love the drama of it. And she would say, Suffer. "It's just good." Yeah. You know, she said, I, "It doesn't matter. It's always the." And I think the most important thing that she or any acting teacher taught me was, "It's all about the intention." Mm-hmm. You know, and play the intention. Uh, whether you're whispering, if if you you can whisper and be heard mm-hmm. at the back of the theater if you make your uh, intention more specific mm-hmm. and yeah. more important. So th- those are the things that I learned f- for the stage that were, um, yeah, were, were yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And how long were you with How to Succeed? 
Two years. Two okay. years. So it was like my university. Oh, yeah. I was really? able to yeah. stay. I needed to stay with that show, um, you know, to keep studying. Mm -hmm. and, and then to, once I, oh, my first voice teacher, Maurice Jampol, um, said, well, let me hear you sing, and I'll see what, you know, where we are with your voice. And, I, and, and his, his standard thing was to sing If I Loved You, because in two or three, four bars, right? Yes. Line, you could you everything. could tell yeah. if someone knew how to breathe to sing, and I did. And I and he said, "Oh, that's great. The good news is that you have uh, you can't sing. You have no bad habits. <laughs> you sound like a butterfly's fart in a windstorm." That's oh. what he said to these delicate Eloquence. ears. <laughs> yeah, so eloquent. It's shocking, shocking. Wow. Okay. So did that paralyze you, or did that make you say, "I'm gonna"? Oh, well, learn. I mean, I, I was almost ready. Well, I was very uh, shy, and I realized that I had to learn, but, you know, production. Yeah. And so I liked the part where he said, you have no bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, that's good. Let's yeah, start yes. with that yeah, one. That's yes. a positive. And, uh, yeah, so I learned, and, and um, uh, yeah, and, and Paul Gabbard uh, studied mm -hmm. with him, uh, Judith Fair. I mean, a lot of different teachers. Mm -hmm. Um and I was, it was, yeah, and it was a steady, steady growth. When I was, my first uh, singing audition was for Stephen Sondheim. Before I know who, I didn't know who Stephen Sondheim was. There was an opportunity to audition for Philia, and a funny thing happened right. on the way to the Forum, the national tour. The tour, yeah. And uh, so I auditioned, um, and I was terrified. Do you remember what you sang at all? I, Marvin Hamlish played, Marvin Hamlish was just out of Juilliard yeah. and and played um, Bobbles, Bangles, and Beads from Kismet. Oh. Good. That's a good song for and I was And I was so nervous that I took it up a third as I started. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, uh, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was higher than that, I think. <laughs> um, it was like a chipmunk, you know. Um, oh so I had to start again. And I, this made me really nervous. And of course, Philia, I didn't have any knowledge really. You know, there's a timing thing. She's like this, this dopey, you yeah. know, totally right. ingenue, but yeah, like, a little vacant. Little yes. vacant, has yeah. a life. But it was yeah. written by Larry Gelbert so beautifully, yeah. so right. funny. Yes. But my timing, anyway, to make a long story short, my timing because I couldn't see my my text um, was so perfect that it made. George Abbott just fell off his, you know, aisle seat <laughs> laughing because I was good and I didn't know why I was good. Oh. I was just I was just not able to read quickly. <laughs> um, and it took me that whole year of touring the show to really find that Mm -hmm. That audition. You booked yeah. the, the part. Your first. Yeah, but I audition, didn't know. Yeah. You got. I mean. Yeah. What? That's wild. Well, it was it was perfect yeah. for that. You know the quality I had, but I I knew nothing really, and and it was a great experience to be in that do the show. You know mm -hmm. for yeah. a year and then yeah, try to try to sure. find it find the role. You did the tour and then back to New York City. Correct. Mm -hmm. And then what comes next for you? I think Hullabaloo. Hullabaloo. Yeah, yeah, so tell us a little bit about the great thing that is Hullabaloo. Well, I mean, it was, again, I mean, a job. And, um, TV, right? Yeah, a, a, it, it TV was TV, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's like, it, it was exciting because it was David Winters. When I came to New York, all of those 
um, dancers in West Side Story were mm -hmm. iconic to a young dancer. Yes. They were, and many of them became my teachers that when they started classes. Right. Um, and David Winters uh, was auditioning dancers, and that's when I met Michael Bennett. Mm -hmm. You know, he was auditioning as well, and Gene Castle, and oh wow, um, I'm trying to think. You know, Patrick Ariarty, mm -hmm. and uh, really terrific. You know, mm -hmm. Leland Palmer. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so we did this, and it was fun. It was the pop music, you know, yeah. of the '60s, uh, and I got that. And and very quickly for our viewers who might not be aware, what exactly was Hullabaloo? It was a television show mm -hmm. in which NBC, uh -huh. with, which was a, a variety show, and uh, but it was very, you know, it was a wonderful entertainment because mm -hmm. they would have um, guest hosts uh, every week. Uh, all the, you know, great, great TV stars and the NBC Orchestra, mm -hmm. Peter Matz oh. conducting. Oh, wow. Classic. Was yeah. it live, filmed live? I mean, this is when... It, uh, yeah. Probably. I mean, yeah. I feel like everything was... Well, there was an audience, but yeah. I don't know if it was filmed and shown live. I think okay. it oh, I was not, but, it, but okay. there was a live but audience. performing in front of an audience. Yeah. So. And then your next Broadway show was The Education of Hyman Kaplan, yeah. correct? So what, what was this show? Well, this is a show that... The story that my true life story in going to one of my teachers again, Jaime Rogers from Westside, um, he was choreographing this and George Abbott was directing and uh, I begged him for a job. This, this element in my personal life was part of Cassie's character. Sure. Because I, I had to, again, I was trying to survive. And I, and I was in this um, unhappy marriage, and it was a short-lived marriage. That was the good part about it. But I was unhappy, and I had to get out, and I had nothing to, to live, you know. To, yeah. I, and so I went to Jaime, and I said, I'll do anything. I'll just, you know, I'll get you coffee. I mean, I just need, I just need to have a job, you know. And it's like the Cassie. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a it. different thing. And he said, well, sure. I'll, and it was odd because um, it was about the, uh, 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 the there was no character like me in the show but mm -hmm. he you know it's like New York City so um, and then George Abbott saw me in rehearsal and said well she has to be, she's a dance she can be in the show she doesn't have to be your you know <laughs> right. coffee catcher um, so thanks to George Abbott then I was in the show so we like saw you in the rehearsal and said. Well, well, he She's knew. I, I don't. So I think I was there the first day, but yeah. but he heard that I was, you know, going to be working with Jaime, assisting him in yeah. some way. Yeah. And, and so yeah, on the show yeah. He knew you. And so thanks to Jaime and George Abbott, then I was back on the boards yeah. and um, <laughs> and just it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. When you were um, in New York and you were performing, were you still in contact with your family back in Michigan? Oh, yeah. By the yeah. time I opened... See, it was great for me to be able to invite them to the opening of How to Succeed. Yeah. Because then I felt... I, I felt so guilty. It sent me to 
therapy. So sure. w- with all this little, very little money I got, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I managed to find money for therapy um, because I just was so guilt-ridden. So I was able to share that opening with them, and, and it, I think it made them more, because all a parent wants is for you to be safe yes. and yeah. happy, right? right? So that was very helpful. So and healing yeah. for... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it took me a while longer, I think. Sure. It, it sure, really sure, sure. disturbed right. our family. But. Yeah. but your parents were able to see... Yes. That you were going to be okay. Yeah. And that you belonged in the arts. Yeah. Promises, promises came into your life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, speaking of Michael I, Bennett. I was, well, I got hired by David Merrick, and I was very proud. I don't know why. I, I didn't resent dancing, but I didn't want to be labeled. Now that I was still, oh, you know, achieving yeah. something, I got it as a singer. I got that, that, that role, this small role because of my singing audition. Uh-huh. And I was very proud of that yes. because yeah. it was like always so hard. Um, and then Bob Moore was a great director and we were out of town and we had to take like, or he had to take like half an hour off the show. So certain characters were cut and those little three scenes with the three secretaries were going to go. And, uh, Michael needed, um, a first act finale and my job was safe because he knew from Hullabaloo that I was a dancer and he liked my dancing. Uh-huh. And so I got... I was saved. Mm-hmm. So I started embracing dance again. Yeah. <laughs> so there were scenes with the secretaries? Yeah. That, that would, oh, interesting. Yeah. I with, never knew with that. Some of the, yeah. With some of the men, you know. The, mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but it was like an extra 20 or minutes they didn't need. Right. It was yeah. too, sh- too long. Um, I think I had one line left. What about next Tuesday? Uh, <laughs> that was it. Funny, I remember that. One line is better than none. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so for so many, come Thanksgiving time, the video of Turkey Lurkey. I hadn't. Yeah. Makes it's, its always, way. Oh my God. The always. rounds. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about the creation of that number and? Well, um, yes, I I wrote about all this, you know. Yes, oh, yeah, book, yeah, yes. But, um, and, and the title of your book for our listeners? Yes, Time Steps, My Musical Comedy Life. Yes, Amazing. and please buy a copy. It's, it's one of the best autobiographies about oh, show thanks. business, yes. Uh, well, that was, you know, Michael, it is, this was Michael Bennett's first big hit as a mm-hmm. choreographer. And... Um, and and also the the score by Burt Backrack and Hal David, mm-hmm. Phil uh, Phil Rome, uh, Roman, who was a great studio producer, a music producer, mm-hmm. came in. It was the first covered pit on Broadway, yeah. first computerized show, <clears throat> with Robin Wagner's magnificent set that would of this apartment that would come down and back mm-hmm. up, and then we'd have the office coming in. Mm-hmm. It was all beautifully. It moved. It flowed. You know. Um, it danced, mm-hmm. and high tech, it sounds yeah, like. yeah, yeah, really the mm-hmm. first. And um, but anyway, this number, Michael was at that point trying to be truthful and honest with his work in a way that, uh, like Fosse was, or he, you know, Robbins was his, uh, you know, that that was the man he wanted to most mm-hmm. emulate. Um, so he put the turkey lurkey to, uh, together first, as if it was could really happen this way. Yes. So the dancers, he had this idea to move the dancer, the dancers move the desk together, and these three secretaries get on the da- uh, on top of the desks, and as if they made their own choreography at home in their living room, <laughs> and as if they made their own costumes. Mm-hmm. So we had um, these turkey feathers yeah. and, and silly things, and a big turkey hat on top, a hat, 
and uh, we did this dance to this song, like we choreographed it, and it was so you know bad. <laughs> he choreographed bad choreography mm -hmm. to make you know right. to be yeah. real and yeah. make a point Your and be dancers, funny. Yes. And the audience looked like springtime for Hitler. They were <laughs> opening night in Boston. Their jaws were. I was like, what? And of course, the feeling tone of that whole audience was felt at the back of the theater because Michael was back there going, and Neil Simon was head and hands, and Michael's going, I can fix it, I can fix it. I can just see him doing that. I can fix it. I can. So he and Bob Avian went to their hotel, and that little mirror in the back of the closet, yep. they stood there and posed and choreographed the whole dance number <laughs> in front of that little mirror. And they came in the next day, and they taught it to, um, or if not the next day, it was like soon after. Yeah. I mean, there was another dance number that was cut also. Oh, okay. Marriages for Single Girls, mm. which was wonderful. I love that song. It's on the outtakes. Yes. Of a, a, a CD. Yes. The Lost right. in Boston. Yeah, yeah, Lost in Boston. Yeah. yeah. Um, Boston was really important. Philadelphia, Boston. Uh, all those towns were so important to those shows then, yeah. you know. The development. Some yeah. of the best songs were written and some great mm -hmm. songs were taken out. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so the night the dance number went in, it was stop the show, and so you that know. was it. Yeah. yeah. Do you prefer, you know, there's, there's two methods of, of, it seems, bringing a musical to fruition, which is one was, you know, the out-of-towns in Boston and Philadelphia, and nowadays it seems like there's all these workshops mm -hmm. and readings. Do you have a preferred method in terms of putting a new show on or, or being part of? Well, no, I just, I, you, I, I think there are different ways to do it yeah. successfully. I mean, it's hard to just come in and, and do a show. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. It take, yeah. First of all, it takes a lot of money and time. Um, and what, I, what I'm involved in now is, I don't know if think I can talk about it, but it, a, new, a new musical, mm -hmm. and we're doing a, what they call an industry reading yeah. to take the first step and then get the backing and then get the support, and, and the, then you have to coordinate the theaters and all that. Yeah. Um, I loved going out of town with the show, but you know now the regional theaters are, are doing great things and developing things for... Yeah, for either workshops in New York, or or they then they take a, a stepping stone kind of thing to theaters out of town, mm -hmm. and then if you can find life, if they get find the courage and the money, and you know the, then they can bring it in. Yeah. Um, off Broadway shows move. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's important though. I think it hasn't always. You know, the, the venue can really make or break a. a a good piece of yeah. work. Yes. So some Broadway, off-Broadway shows are great the way they are. Right. You know? How do you keep yourself motivated for long runs? Uh, How to Succeed was two years, and you said that was an educational... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I never was a fan of long runs, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, by that I mean I I love to be in a, in a show and, and have the experience, but... I wanted to do keep growing, you know, I was a kid, but then mm -hmm. in my 20s and then and I wanted to keep growing and expanding and 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 doing a lot of different things. Yeah. Um so one of the reasons I love cabaret is that eight shows a week is really hard and uh I've enjoyed doing 
uh, some shows in the last few years. There were eight shows a week, but they were limited runs, yes. like in London and with uh, Carefree, with yeah. The yeah. Warren Carlyle's piece, yeah. and yeah. and at the San, old, old Globe in San mm-hmm. Diego, which was a beautiful, beautiful show, yeah. a, just so wonderful. Um, so that's all been great, sh- you know, but, but, but small runs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never been in a show that, even Chorus Line, I think it was 14 months. Yeah. Which isn't long when you consider, well, how long that of show course. ran and of other course. shows like Chicago sure, and, sure. you know. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to grow as an artist. I mean, it sounds kind of no. rarefied, but I just really wanted to keep growing because I, I knew so little when I first came here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Do you feel like everything that you've wanted to do at this point you've achieved in terms of challenging yourself as an artist? Oh, no. There's more. There's oh, still yeah. a ton more that you want to... Yeah. Well, because yeah, I don't think of it that way yeah. because um, thing, as, you, as you grow and you change... And then certain things, um, you have a, a, an, an ability to express things in a different way. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you, true. Yeah. and you start, you know, going. Oh, I could do. I that would be, you know, good for me. Is, is there anything right now on that? I don't want to say a bucket list, but is there anything now that you're itching to, to try or a challenge you're willing to take on, that you haven't done no. just yet? No. I, I mean, just like this piece. This is. Um, just a wonderful opportunity because I love to create from the the get go, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. from scratch, and and to work and because the writing is so good, um, it's going to be a wonderful thing to be able to to get into. That's that's where I find real joy. Mm-hmm. I guess a piece of advice I would give is don't try to manipulate things too much because a, a, the opportunities will be there. You create them. You create the demand, however. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about being passive. Mm-hmm. Um, but if once you put yourself out there in things that you really love to do, other things will, will come. When I look back, I go, why was I so worried all the time about things? Do you ever have that feeling? Oh, absolutely. You go, yeah. had I known you know, then what I right. know now, exactly. I wouldn't have given myself such a... Such a hard time and, right. and been so distressed and yes, enjoy the moment exactly. more. Yeah, in well, and in trust, it's a it's that is the biggest challenge, you know, to to find in a sh- in a business that's so insecure where yeah. you deal with so much rejection to to um, to write to see to have your your support team being yourself, mm-hmm. uh-huh. you know. Mm-hmm. Love yourself, trust yourself enough to that you are enough. You know that kind yes. of cliched oh, yeah. saying yeah. now, but uh, but it's true. It's true. Yeah, you know, and and just uh, keep learning. And Fosse, to be able to work with him and Gwen twenty five years after that first yeah. uh, time and how to succeed, the last day of his life, he sat us down and because we were opening that night in Washington with Sweet Charity. Yeah. And he talked to us like a father, and those are the things he, he said. You know, don't, don't um, you know, get up in the morning and say, well, how can I be better? Not just as a performer, but as a person. Be able to face your weakness or find your weak spot, what you need to improve on, in other words, and then do it. And don't compete with anybody else. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Hey, podcast listeners. Are you looking for a place to rehearse in New York City that is clean, spacious, and most importantly, affordable? Come check out Shetler Studios and Theaters, our wonderful host for these podcasts. Shetler is centrally located on West 54th Street between Broadway and 8th Avenue, Right in the heart of the theater district. Right in the heart. You'll find music, dance, and acting studios, complemented by two black box theaters and six presentation venues. The professional facilities, inspired environment, and expert industry staff combine to provide the New York artist with an unparalleled studio experience. Visit their website at shetlerstudios.com. That's S-H-E-T-L-E-R studios.com. Shetler Studios and Theaters is our home for recording the legends of Broadway, and we hope that you make it your artistic home too. That's Shetler, S-H-E-T-L-E-R studios.com. See you here. And so then uh, Promises, Promises comes to an end. And then Company, how did you get involved with Company? Well, Company was the first show that I got without an audition. And I loved it. (laughs) I went, this is how it's going to go. Uh, but Hal Prince had me in his office, and I was and I thought I was reading for Hal Prince, and I went and and uh, he sat there, such a great uh, person and big producer, and I was excited to meet him and and nervous about reading. It wasn't my forte to read do cold readings, but there I sat, and he was so nice and told me, and he showed me a set. He said, "This is the set, Boris Aronson's magnificent set, and these are the, and the little people." And he showed me, and I went, "This is making me more nervous. I mean, can we read already? You know?" And I said, "Well, where are my sides?" And he goes, "Sides? Well, do you want it?" You want the job? And I said, well, yeah, but... I, I, he goes, well, you got the job. I just wanted you to come in and and see the set. And and what? I went, wow, I know. Did someone recommend wow. you to? No, this is what... Well, no, I... He's He saw me in uh, the education of Hyman Kaplan yeah. years before and just remembered me. And then I guess he, you know, knew that... Uh, I'm trying to think... That you know that I had worked with Michael Bennett. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michael Bennett was choreographing it right. and co-directing it, and he—I was kind of maybe the enticement, mm-hmm. so that Michael could have a dance number. <laughs> sure, sure. And uh, I think Michael was a little hesitant, and he didn't know if if he wanted to see his choreography on people that didn't dance. Yeah, I, that's my guess. We never talked about it, but I, I kind of figured it was that. 
And so then when I said, yeah, I'd love to do it. I love Michael Bennett's choreography. And that was it. Now, okay, so you start rehearsals for company. Did you know from the beginning, well, this is something special? Yeah. Yeah? Stephen Sondheim had it all done, the whole show. I mean, Barbara Berry, the first day we were sitting there around the table, the first read, we got our the, the opening number, and uh, she opened it, and it was like 20 pages. It just like <laughs> fell across the floor, you know, the whole floor. And, uh, and she said, oh, boy, good luck with they're going to be doing this in 20 years from now. <laughs> in region, you know, in regional, you know, summer stock. Yeah. Yes, and, yeah. of course, they did. Yes. But, you know, of course. Many times, and it's coming back. Yes, how exciting. It's great. How exciting. Yeah. Now, did the show change a lot from what was in rehearsal to what eventually ended up on stage? Not that much, but oh. yes, certain things, like, um, you know, some of the set was changed a little bit, you know, the, the, the pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a scene that Kathy, my character, had that was much longer with Dean Jones mm-hmm. and was cut down, I mean, a, a few of the characters that more, um, not the main characters, but the, you know, like Dean. Sure, sure, sure. But, the, the but the, those, yeah. the, the girlfriends, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. they were kind of cut down. Um, and then my dance number, at one point in time when we were out of town, was it Boston? Might have been. Hal uh, took TikTok. me aside, yeah, yeah and, and Pam Myers and said, the two songs we have to cut from the show until we figure out what to do with them is another hundred people and TikTok. Oh, yeah, you know, she was her first yeah. show and she was kind of like, but the way he did it, uh, I have to tell you, it made it okay. Not, you know, it was like scary, but okay. Cause I thought, Oh God, I'm out of this show. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But he, he, he was so respectful, mm-hmm. uh, such a gentleman. And he took us, uh, each back in the lobby, arm around, you know, just walking along and saying, look, it's not working where it is, so we're going to just take it out and rearrange it, and, you know. And he did, you know. And how did uh, the dance come to fruition? How was that collaboration with, between you and Michael Bennett in terms of creating yeah, the TikTok well, number? It, yeah, well, it was, you know, Michael spoiled me because it, with Bob Avian also being in the room, it was like a, more of a collaborative. Michael loved to work with people that way. And... Um, but he always had, you know, he he'd do something just co- kind of come from a, a his psychology of, you know, he would just have an element of something that he was wanted to illustrate mm-hmm. or that had nothing to do with any writing. But it's like he said uh, the first day he came in with company was little. It, he still was trying to f- break new ground, and he said, "Well, maybe we'll do this nude." And my, you know, I went. From the Midwest, you know, <laughs> my, my family, I'm not going to be dancing nude. And he said, we'll have a sheer, something sheer. It'll be, you know, beautiful, but you'll have, you know. And I remember sweating and flop sweat. And I went, um, Michael, I don't know, maybe it, it's not, maybe it's, you know, not going to work that way. Because you want to keep the mystery of this yeah. romanticism, you know, this sensual feeling and if it mm-hmm. too much you know I was talking yeah. myself try, yeah. trying to <laughs> talk him out of this and I think he went okay, okay. never mind yes um, but he was always trying to find you know something and he said you know the the tick tock of a clock when you're with someone in an intimate way 
and you're not really with them. Mm-hmm. And all you hear is the tick-tock of the clock. Mm-hmm. And I went, he said, you know how that feeling when you, after you've made love? And, you, and I go, no, I, I didn't say I didn't, but I had no idea what he was yeah. talking about. <laughs> I went, oh, yes, that tick-tock <laughs> of the course, clock. Of course, of course, yes. Um, but of course, I, you know, it's like I do things and then you grow into it and you figure yeah. it out. Yes. Did you do a company in London? Did you go to London with it? Yes, and that was Hal Prince. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hal Prince, uh, that was historic in a way because no American complete company, apart from uh, April, the character April, mm-hmm. Julia McKenzie did that. Susan Browning stayed. Um, but the whole company went um, to London at Her Majesty's Theater. That, had, that was a first. Yeah. And I remember we got off the plane and there were pictures and, you know, I was getting off and it was just like, uh, it was just a great thing. We had to leave after three months, and oh. that's when Elaine Stritch stayed on, lived at the Savoy, right, and did right. all those yes, right. did all those wonderful um, TV shows. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. She was right. she was so yeah. marvelous. How does a chorus line come to fruition in your involvement with it? Well, you know, th- this there was a time period where Michael wanted to create a musical, that he really wanted to put his stamp on it, that it that it's something that the accumulation of all the other great shows that he'd done, he just wanted to, and he was thinking a lot about his, his life as a dancer, mm-hmm. and I think he was at that uncomfortable place where, <clears throat> you know, when you're a director, you, everybody's asking you questions, you have to, mm-hmm. and, and you're not in your, you know, the happiest moment in his life, I think, as he expressed it, was when he was dancing in the chorus, and he was doing those eight shows a week, yeah. and all of his dreams, his future was ahead of him. Mm-hmm. He remembers that as being a really exciting, happy, and he wanted to revisit it in a way. So before that, though, you know, it was like three years where we were having conversations on and off. Um, and New York was going through a very difficult time, and he commissioned at one point... Um, a writer to do a backstage uh, um, musical. Yeah. Because he had me in mind. You know, he said, well, there's a part in it for you. And I went, oh, good. Well, hurry up because I'm 30. <laughs> and I wanted, you know, I wanted to be able right. to do it. Um, we would joke that way about it. And then he had, he would show me from time to time ideas about using a, the bare stage for dancers to come in. And all these little things would... Uh, and then, of course, the night when he, after he met um, Miss Sean and Tony, mm-hmm. just to talk about what they, they had in mind. They went to Michael, really, and then he kind of combined all of this stuff that's been, that he was going through with what they were going through, and everybody was kind of in need to be creative and to yeah. work, and so that's when we did the first... Yeah. Um, Wayne taught Wayne Salento taught yeah. the class yeah. at, late at night, and so then we went us. in and and sat down and you know with the reel to reel thing and the big chug of bad red wine, <laughs> and we just went around and and uh, Michael used himself as an example. The first three questions are pretty much the questions that Zach starts with, you know, in the show. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what Michael said. You yeah. know, go around, say your name, where you're born, and why you why you're dancing. What made him such a great director? Why did you like going into a room with him? Um, well, it, he was different as a choreographer in a way, but as a director, uh, you know, because when I, he directed um, Twigs yeah, he did twi- with yeah. Seda Thompson, you know, 
And that was important to him to be, you know, like Jerome Robbins, because mm. Jerome Robbins did that. And um, and I said, how did you, how did you know it to, to uh, your auditions? He goes, it's so simple. I just go with who's the best. <laughs> I went, well, that's clever. It's a good one. Yeah, it's novel. So what that says, though, is that everybody has their job to do. Yeah. And that's a, a, you know, Michael's family or his, you know, the people he worked with, he had a lot of respect and he loved the collaboration because he knew that's how things get done. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how visions are, are made and dreams are met, you know, with that. And I just thought it's, it's not that simple, but mm-hmm. it takes someone who has that kind of, you know, faith or... Yes. In, talent and just seeing talent yeah. Yeah. yeah what do you look for out of a director for you what is the ideal director actor collaboration oh gosh i uh, well i love john doyle i mean I, there are so many good directors and most directors uh, i've been lucky because they um i've had a couple of, well i shouldn't say that but yeah i have but most good directors they create a safe place mm-hmm. and as an actor your job is to bring your interpretation, but a director must um, create an atmosphere where everyone's on the same page as well. So we're all doing the same story. Um, And then you bring, and and a good director will take your ideas and be inspired by the work that everyone brings in. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's, it's it's I love John Doyle's, the being in the room, as they say. Yeah. um, Because... It's most recent, you know, for a Broadway show when I uh, did the visit. Yes. Well, I didn't do it, but I was but, yeah. there yeah. every day. Oh, yeah. um, to to get back, even though it's a it's art, it's commercial, it's Broadway, and you have to, you know, you have you have to produce and yes. deliver, mm-hmm. and to have that uh, creation, the creation going on and, and changing, and to see. Uh, Roger Reese get more into the character and bring certain things and Cheetah, you know, changing mm-hmm. certain elements. I mean, it was just so great. And a, and a great director like John can can do that. I mean, Hal was wonderful because they 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 want you to, I mean, they want you to, to bring yeah, it, you right. know. They hired you for a reason. That's right. right. Solves yeah. their problem too. Yeah, they yeah. want you to. So I guess I like Directors who leave you alone. Yeah, that's good. Well, you know the the truth is when I talked to Marsha Milgram Dodge, you know, we, she just did our uh, she directed our our concert mm-hmm. with Andre McCardle, and um, she said when when a because we talked about this, and, and I said, you know, when the director, I used to say to Michael, I used to drive him crazy, saying, "What are what, give me some notes?" I always wanted to as a dancer. It's never good enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I give me some notes. He goes, "I have no notes." And finally, he got mad. I think and he said, "Okay, I have a note." I go, "What is it? What is it? You're working too hard." And that was a good note. Yeah, that's a good note. Yeah, that's a good note. But she said uh, most directors leave the actors alone when they're doing. They're just doing their work, and yeah. that's fine. Yeah, you you pay sure. attention. You get on people who aren't really maybe rising to the occasion or something. Yeah. But but if they leave you alone, it's because you're okay. You're yeah. When you started doing a chorus line at the public, were you aware in the rehearsal process that oh this is this might turn into something quite fabulous? Oh yeah, I felt that. I felt that not always in yeah. the beginning, but the first workshop was kind of a. I thought it was, it was great to be that creative. 
but I thought it's not. We can't. We're certainly not ready. This right. is like a, we called it the Towering Inferno. Actually, <laughs> you know, people were just like, "This is before Michael realized that he had to make it um, growing up in the line." In other words, each that's when he discovered that because we were all talking about our childhood yeah. dilemma, and we were all competing with who had the worst childhood. It seemed because, yeah. We knew that they were writing, you know, our stories, so we wanted to make them interesting. Yes, sure. <laughs> uh, but but after the when Marvin Hamlish and Ed Kleban came in, um, and James Kirkwood especially, that's when it all kind of when at the ballet was the first song that we heard as a company, and that's when I knew, if not a commercial success, it would certainly be an artistic yeah. success because that number was like the heartbeat of what it is to be a dancer. Mm -hmm. And I went, that really... Spoke true. And yeah. you and you said uh, a, a majority of that was your life story, correct? Or a portion of Ethel uh, yeah. was your life story? Yeah. So See, this, uh, the, the, the characters became a composite mm -hmm. of... Uh, because a lot sure. of people um, had the same experiences, believe it or not, or the oh, same... Of course, yeah. Certainly the same feelings, so... Right. For all of those that'll get to play the role of Cassie at some point, what advice... Do you you have to pass on about who she is? Oh, I just I first of all I say my apologies. That number is really long. Don't take care of yourself. Care Get of a yourself. lot of massages. Um, I I don't know. I, I I love it when I see the actor bring her own mm -hmm. point of view with the with the character. The character is, uh, I think, one technical thing. Uh, yeah. I, it, it I've seen it where. The the end of the scene is played in the beginning too often. Mm. And if you get that defensive in the beginning of that scene when you're finally mm -hmm. able to talk to your ex, he's gonna he can kick you out at any second. Exactly. And yeah. if you if you start being defensive and it becomes tedious, the scene. And I think it's um I think that moment to mo moment to moment play that um, the discovery, mm -hmm. the discovery is in the scene as as different levels of what he's really saying. Yeah. It kind of I remember feeling that it's hard for me to grasp what he's really doing, and then as I get more and more that he's saying no, it it evolves, and then the dance happens, the song. So everything is that seamlessness. It's justified by the growth of your emotion. Yes. And then when you go into the dance, which is, you know, even more heightened, um, it's like uh, I, to any Cassie that I've worked with, I say it's like being this person who was fragmented. And she's, and you, and all, that's why the choreography is very stark and angular at first, because she's over, you know, she's overdoing it to try to, you know, willfully mm -hmm, do it, yeah. and then she becomes more of a whole. She finds the joy in the circle step, mm -hmm. and then she finds more, a more complete, solid, confident person at the end. She's willing to face him, mm -hmm. face off with yeah. him, and yeah. say, "I'll take Horace if you'll take me," mm -hmm. and challenge him to be bigger person, maybe, or grow from this, or give me a second chance. When Cassie didn't get that second chance a couple times. Yeah. It was really depressing, and that's. I'm talking a lot. You got to stop. No, this is no, good. this is. And that's when Marsha Mason, who was married to Neil Simon at that time, was able to come and be another voice with Michael to say, "I followed that character's through line, and and 
if she doesn't get the job, nobody wins. That's right. Mm-hmm. Because nobody learns anything. And Zach, you know, because he, he just, you know, she's really upending his whole, yeah. you know, rehearsal. I mean, his audition. Yeah. So that was a really good thing. So it's very exciting to be part of something where you see these little but big changes yeah. happen that make all the difference between success and failure. Yeah. That dance, the music in the mirror dance, how, how did you guys... I mean, did you collaborate on the yeah. choreography? I mean, did he yeah. like because he knew and you were the music? Going to dance, I mean, we so. were in his living room. Marvin was at the piano. Bobby Thomas, who was you know, on drums and mm-hmm. always at Michael's rehearsals. Um, you know, I would say, well, what about a four-four? I was going in my mind. I I I wanted to take it to different places mm-hmm. emotionally. So we would just like, what about a four four? What about slowing it, doing a slow section here, and then, yeah. and I don't know whether it just was all. And then Marvin would, who was brilliant, mm-hmm. would be sitting at the piano, kind of, you know, musically doing what we were just throwing out there, and that was a beginning. You know, that was just a, a beginning to get a shape, right. and then as we worked on it, it wasn't. Dancing being so ab- abstract, mm-hmm. you know, you work in di- different vocabulary, and there would be a, a more a yearning section, the slow section where she discovers her body, that the feelings come back into her after the first part being very stark, mm-hmm. and then everything soft softens. And the three elements that I started thinking of was the line, the mirror, the reflection. Am I still here? Mm-hmm. Am I invisible? All those metaphor things that, that you have in a, in a dance number, and him. So there were three points, and that's something I always just tell um, the the Cassies to just keep that in mind as an actress. And it's like keep discovering as you go and let it build. And so we have a beginning, a middle, and an end, which is just sounds very simple, but it's it's everything. It's everything. Yeah, what we do: dancing, singing, and acting. Yeah. All of it yeah. has to yeah. do that. It transfers. It transfers to Broadway, and it's this massive phenomenon. What's it like to? That's well, a transfer that was good that's uh, a, <laughs> from an off-Broadway show. Yes. Where, yeah, where, where the it works. musicians mm-hmm. were in the wings. You know, there was no pit. So, can you imagine those first audiences who didn't yeah. know? They didn't know what they were seeing. It was never advertised, and they you hear the piano, and then they turn around, and you hear this orchestra coming from somewhere. <laughs> so, it had a bigger scope than what it looked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Broadway uh, transfer, everyone loves to go, was it going to transfer? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it did very well. It was a great um, time to mm-hmm. have. It was the first and only opening I've had where I had no nerves because yeah. it was, it's like the, we were all just celebrating it. Yeah. It, we, we knew we were, you know, that we had a good show for the audience, and the audience had seen it already. You know, yeah. several times. Approval. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. every it was a a great celebration, I think. Yeah. You know. And then what was it like? To, I mean, you walking down the street and there's your face on a national magazine, and there you are on television. How yeah. do you? How do it you was keep... hard. It was hard because my father just died, yeah. and all those things that you go through in life. Um, but no, I was I, I I had enough experience by this time to know that it doesn't happen all that often. Mm-hmm. So you have to just. Go with it and be there as much as you can um, to receive a, a Tony Award. I, I remember that's one of the things I kept thinking. Just try to be here in the moment so you can appreciate it because it might never happen mm-hmm. again. And just be there so you yeah. can take something yeah. in, you know. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was just, and, and Michael was 
because he wasn't doing the show, I remember we were at Sardi's um, celebrating, a group of us, and he said, I think he was already worrying about his next project. What do I do now? Yeah. This was the show that he wanted to deliver, a show for dancers, his Valentine, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Um, and he said, don't ever compete with this show. It has a life all its own. It's up there. Don't ever compete. And I went, well, all right. That's, you know, yeah. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know what he was talking about. I'm a little slow with these things. Um, but I do now because uh, it does. He was starting to feel how hard it was for him to, Sure. what do I do now? Yeah. yeah. How do you, Where do I go from here? You can't top that because that was already so brilliant. So then, well, you... it's also the show does have a life of its own. Yeah. You know, he did something quite more than he even realized. Nobody knew in the, in those workshops, and especially when we started performing it. Even we knew it would be an artistic success. I think generally, mm-hmm. but no one knew if it would it, how far-reaching it could right. be. Yeah. So he had a sense of it anyway. Yeah. What a surprise! That's really wonderful. Yeah. So after um, you you do your run on a chorus line, then where do you go? Where do you go after this? I mean, do you need time to decompress and say, "Let me focus on a new artistic project" or ready for a new? Well, adventure? yeah. I mean, I don't remember. I, I went to L.A. That's why I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> L.A. has that effect would, on but people. But I wanted to. I wanted to get out. I I had just um, gone through a difficult time, strenuous time, exhausted, marriage, divorce, I lost my home. I went, okay, new beginnings. Yes. Mm-hmm. I am my own person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to pick myself up, dust myself off, and I went to Hollywood. Um, I went to L.A. I had friends out there. And I loved it for a while. Mm-hmm. And I loved doing the television that mm-hmm. I did out yeah. there. I did some wonderful specials mm-hmm. and worked with Peter Matz again on a oh, special yeah. and yeah. you know just but I was <clears throat> really really um, homesick for New York and theater I wasn't doing the theater that I wanted and um, I came back to New York with a play with it with Georgia Engel yeah God miss her God bless her um, and we did this little musical and it got me back to New York because I needed that connection uh, to be in the show yeah. and and then uh, it, it, and I went. I remember literally looking at myself in a mirror and saying, "What do you want?" You, you know. And I, I, I don't remember how old I was, but I was over forty-five. And I said, "Do you?" And I went. I talked to myself in the mirror. Have you ever done that? Oh, it's yes, kind, it's very it's helpful. Kind of interesting. And I said, "I want to do theater." And then I said to myself, "Said I? Then do it. Then do it." And so that's that was the beginning of. Um, staying in New York yeah. and doing a lot of different things, and yeah. then getting into breaking into creating my own show, mm-hmm. and then doing the cabaret, doing that scary thing. Yeah. So what what do you have lined up now? First of all, you're doing this amazing cabaret act, yeah. which is getting fantastic reviews. People love it. Yeah. Well, I have two shows. I have yeah. the one with Andrea, and yep. then I'm doing my own yep. two places. But. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm doing this podcast show that I mentioned yeah, a little too much. Let's talk about, about I mean, this. I don't know. It's a kind of a side thing, but it's becoming a you know a, a wonderful thing. Um, we film it at Sardi's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you have the option to see it and hear it, or just hear it. So it's called the Ladies Who Lunch, 
And uh, Dori Berenstein is producing it with her company. And and the podcast covers. And we just what have exactly? lunch. So we it's, we it's, it's yeah. the ladies who lunch. Yeah. It's kind of like we are the women that Sondheim did not have in mind when he wrote that song because <laughs> we don't we we never have time to lunch, you know. But I thought, what a funny quirky yeah. thing if we yeah. can get women to sit down who are busy. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, who are still going strong. Of course. So, for example, on your first episode, or one of your episodes, who have been some of the people? Okay, the first episode, um, Bayork Lee, oh, yeah. oh. Phyllis, uh, uh, Priscilla Lopez, yeah. and uh, Kelly Bishop. Oh, oh. So it's a little reunion oh. show. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate Thank you, you coming so much. in. You really are. pleasure. I, so it's my wonderful. pleasure. Thank yeah. you for being with Open us. Open that book a little bit and yeah. going yes. to the past. Yeah. We Thank appreciate that. Sure. Thanks All for right. taking my, us there. My pleasure. Till next time. Bye, everybody. Today's episode was recorded at Shetler Studios on 244 West 54th Street. Visit Shetler Studios to book your room today and you could be as cool as us. That's S-H-E-T-L-E-R studios.com. And a big thanks to our sound editor, Daniel Schwartzberg, and social media manager, Bethany Ann Selecki. And friends, don't forget, we want more folks to hear these incredible stories, and that's where you guys can come in and help us out. Yes, in order for people to find out about us, we need lots of ratings on iTunes. The more ratings, the more they'll come up in searches. So head on over to iTunes, search for Behind the Curtain Broadway's Living Legends, click on our logo, click on ratings and reviews, then write a review and leave us five stars and make us feel as special as Eliza Doolittle on Eliza Doolittle Day. Or you can leave us one star and make us feel as bad as Annie did in that weird production in Boston where Annie dreamed about being adopted and then ended the show back in the orphanage. True story, Rob was there. (laughs) I saw it. So head on (laughs) over to iTunes and make us feel even more special than we already do. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.